Well, hey, 6 p.m. Great to see you. My name's Andrew. If I haven't met you before, keep your Bibles open at Romans chapter 13, the passage we just heard read. Well, let me ask you, when you wake up in the morning, your alarm clock goes off, what kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? I think there's two types of people. First type of person is your alarm clock goes off and you're awake. You're awake. That's me. Uh, I can't go back to sleep after I've woken up. I can't go back to sleep. I can't click the snooze button. I'm wide awake. Not that I've needed an alarm clock for the last 14 months because I have a toddler who has woken me up at 5 a.m. every morning. He's my natural alarm clock. Uh, the second type of person, though, is the type of person that views that loud beeping alarm clock as just a guide. You know? it's, it's, it's flexible. You press the snooze button and you press it again, and you press it once more, and you keep pressing. Uh, this is my wife. This is Christine. Uh, keeps pressing that snooze button, doing all that she can to enjoy the comfort, the warmth of bed. In fact, I, I looked up. You can find an alarm clock that is on wheels. And basically, when it goes off, it starts racing around your house, beeping loudly, the only way you can get it to stop is by chasing the alarm clock, pinning it down, and then it'll finally stop. So maybe that's a birthday gift for someone you live with. <laughs> Whoever you know that presses the snooze button. I can see quite a few nudges of the person next to you. Our passage today, it's kind of like God wants to uh, wake us up. Wake us up from our slumber. He wants to sound the alarm and say, Wake up, church. Wake up, Christian. Don't you realize what time it is? Don't you realize what we need to do? Get out of bed. Wake up from your slumber. Wake up. The, the center verse, I think, of our, sec, of our little section is verse 11. I think verses 8 to 10 kind of lead to verse 11, and, and verses 12 to 14 build off verse 11. It's like the center verse. Let's read it, verse 11, chapter 13, verse 11. It says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. God wants to wake us up, to realize what time it is to get up from your slumber. Why? Because our salvation is near. Jesus is coming back. If you're a believer in this room, you have been saved because of what Jesus did for you on the cross in the past. You have been saved. And yet we have this future hope of when Jesus will return and we will be completely saved. When we will be with our Savior face to face in eternity. When, when every tear will be wiped from our eyes, when all evil will be paid for, when justice will finally come, it's going to be an incredible day, isn't it? I hope you're looking forward to that day. And this passage is saying this day, this day that Jesus is going to come and save us, it, it's nearer now than when we first believed. It's nearer now than when we... It, Jesus' return is closer today than it was last week, last month, 
He could come back tonight. He could come back next week. Think of uh, when you have a calendar on your wall, one of those wall calendars, and um, you, know, you write your dates on them, but when you've got a real important date, you underline it or you circle it or you, you know, highlight it. You know. My birthday, circle it. Yeah. On God's wall calendar, I mean, he's got lots of things in there. He's very busy. He's running the world. But the next big thing for him, the big thing that, you know, the next thing is underlined and circled and highlighted, the next event is the return of Jesus. In his calendar, that's the next big thing. It's soon. We don't know when it is, but God knows. He said a day, it's soon. It's soon. How wonderful it is that this world is not all that there is. We are not born just to live and then die and rot. We, we have eternity in our hearts. We were made for something more, and we long for that day as believers when we will enter eternity and we'll be saved. But the problem is, many of us are asleep. Many of us are asleep. We're, we're in slumber. We're clicking the snooze button. Maybe we're ignoring God completely. We want nothing to do with him. Or maybe we're Christians and we're just drowsy. We're distracted by the world. We're distracted by sin. We're distracted by our mortgages, our jobs, all kinds of good things. And we forget that salvation, Jesus' return, is near any day. See, when you remember that Jesus could be returning any day. It, it changes everything. It changes the way that you live. And in this passage, God wants to say two things to us that we should do if we remember Jesus is returning soon. Two things that naturally flow out of remembering that what the hour is, what the time is that our salvation is near. Two things. Number one is this. We are to be a lover of people. A lover of people people. In verse 11, which we just read, you see those first three words of verse 11? And do this. So when he talks about the hour and waking up and Jesus came back, he's, he's trying to motivate us to do what he's just written about before. That's what the, the this is talking about. And just before verse 8 to 10, he's talked about loving our neighbor. Loving our neighbor. We've been talking all year about loving our neighbor. It's, if you're new to us tonight, it's our theme for the year, loving our neighbor. And that's what he's just talking about. And for the Apostle Paul, we've already seen one of the biggest motivations to love our neighbor is what he did for us at the cross. Chapter 12, verse 1, in view of God's mercy, we offer our lives as living sacrifices. But another big motivation to love others is what's going to happen in the future, Jesus' return. Have a look at verse 8. Verse 8. Paul says, Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. Now, he's not saying that if you're a Christian, you can't enter, you can't have a debt. You can't have a mortgage or can't have a car loan or hex debt or whatever it is. Uh, he's not saying that. He's saying, you know, if you... If you enter into those kinds of arrangements, do it thoughtfully. Make sure you can pay back what you owe in the right timing. But there's one debt 
that you can never repay. Love. Love. You're never going to be able to say, well, I've finally done it. After 25 years, I finally paid off my love debt. I've been loving you know, my family, loving people at church, and you know, I don't have to love anymore. It's all paid off, all done. You're never going to be able to get to that stage. It's, it's, it's a debt we can never repay, ever repay. After all, we love because we know the love of Christ who gave up his life for us to save us when we were unlovely, when we were sinners. It's a debt we can never repay. Think of a credit card. You got a credit card, and you know you're always you can tap and go. Beep beep feels like free money, right? It's actually you know a debt card. Every time you tap, more debt, more debt. Imagine you got a credit card, and on that card it says Christian love. We're called to love all the people God places in front of us. To stack up debt on that card. Beep beep beep. Love everyone that we meet piling on the debt. And you know what? On this credit card, there's no credit limit. There's no, you can't cap it out. We, we're never going to be able to repay it. And that's a great thing. We're called to love all people. Who's God called you to love? Who's he placed in your path? Maybe it's your friends, your neighbours. Perhaps it's your work colleagues, perhaps your husband or wife, maybe it's a difficult person you just find hard to love. They, they frustrate you. Maybe it's your enemy. And it's so hard to love them, so hard to not be bitter and want revenge, and yet we're called to love them. Perhaps it's that person that isn't a Christian, and you, you, you want them to, you want to share your life with them, you want to love them in practical ways so they come to know Christ, who is it for you? Who is it for you? I love the way love is described as a debt. You know, in, in our culture, uh, our culture thinks about love as something you fall into. I fell in love. We don't think about love in this kind of way as something we, we owe to people. But it's actually beautiful. You think about it, you come to church tonight, 6 p.m., and you owe love to everyone else in the room. And they owe love to you. Isn't that an amazing way to think of it? We have a debt of love to those God has placed around us. Well, Paul goes on. He says, verse 8, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Has fulfilled the law. He's not talking about the Australian law here. He's talking about the Old Testament laws, the Mosaic laws. If you're new to church and maybe you've never read the Old Testament before, there's a lot of laws in the Old Testament. And here's what you've got to know. As a Christian in 2021, the laws in the Old Testament don't apply to us in the same way that they did for someone in the Old Testament times. We aren't saved by obeying the Old Testament laws. They're not an authority over us in the same way. And Paul talks a lot about this in Romans. But, but that doesn't mean that the Old Testament laws are irrelevant. It doesn't mean that we don't have commands. Commands have an important place. We, we have to hear God's commands and obey them. 
And what this passage is saying is, you look at the Old Testament laws, and the heart of them all is love. And what did Jesus say? You can sum up, Jesus said, you can sum up the whole Old Testament laws and prophets in love God, love your neighbor. And so when we love others as believers today, we are fulfilling the law, the law of Jesus who we follow, our Savior who called us to love. And so he gives some examples of Old Testament laws. Verse 9, you know, if if you want to be a loving person, then don't commit adultery. Keep your marriage vows. If you want to be a loving person, don't murder. Respect the lives of others. If you want to be a loving person, don't steal. Protect people's property. If you want to be a loving person, don't covet. And he says, all the laws are summed up in this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We can twist that a little bit and make it like the big point is that we need to love ourselves. The Apostle Paul is assuming that we are interested in ourselves and love ourselves. He's calling us to love others as we love ourselves, to be laying down our lives for others, to be thinking what is in other people's best interests. It's a radical way of thinking. So how are you going? A year of loving your neighbor. Who's God placed on your heart? Who are the few people you're praying for to love in practical, Christ-centered, selfless ways? Do it because we know the time. We know what hour it is. We know that Jesus is returning and we've got to wake up from our slumber and love others. But the second thing we're to do, given that we're waking up, given that Jesus is coming back, what do we do in this, in this time as we wait for Jesus' return? Number two is live as a soldier of the light. Live as a soldier of the light. As we wait for Jesus to return, we are called to turn from darkness, the darkness of this world, and turn and fix our eyes on the light of Christ. Have a look at verse 11 again. Let's read. Verse 11. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I love that. The night is nearly over. Some of you in this room I know have experienced the darkness that this world can bring. Just the last few months, the last year, you've experienced the suffering, injustice, burden of this dark world. Instinctively, we look at this world and we know that it's not as it should be. It's tainted by sin. It's dark. 
And it's evil because so many people in our world are ignoring God, want nothing to do with him. But Christian, take heart. The night is nearly over. The night is nearly over. When was the last time you went and watched a sunrise? It's a beautiful experience. You wake up in the morning and it's quiet. It's dark. The air is cool. But within a few seconds, everything changes. The first rays of light pierce the darkness. The birds start to tweet. People start to wake up and get ready to go about their day. And the warmth of the sun's rays touch your skin. And the day has started. Now that's just a little sneak peek of what the beauty of that day will be like when the darkness of this age finally ends and the Son of God, Jesus, returns and brings in the new age. How wonderful it will be. I love what we sung in one of the songs before. He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. And given that the night is about to end, the the day is beginning, what are we called to do? To be soldiers of the light. The light is rising, and we're called to live in the light, to turn away from the darkness. The night's nearly over. To run away from sin, to put it behind us. The night's nearly over. We're, We're saved to live in the light in obedience to Jesus. I've uh, never understood people that wear pyjamas all day. If if that's you, I've never got it, never understood it. No judgment, but uh, a little bit of judgment. Um, (laughs) For for me, like, I feel gross if I'm in pyjamas all day. I I just wake up and I want to get changed and uh, just, you know, feel refreshed. And, you know, pyjamas are for nighttime and, you know, normal clothes are for daytime. I think sometimes as Christians, we, we're, wearing, we're wearing our spiritual pyjamas. This, this language is talking, just roll with me here, this illustration is going somewhere. Um, <laughs> this, using the illustration of clothing here, that's what Paul's doing. Too many of us are wearing our spiritual pyjamas. We're wearing the clothing that belongs to the nighttime. But the night is almost over. We're called to take off our spiritual pyjamas, put on the armor of light, to Put off the clothing that belongs to the previous age of darkness and sin and to live in the light. One writer said that the Christian life is not a sleep, it's a battle. The Christian life is not a sleep, it's a battle. And we're called to live in the light and put on God's armor in obedience. So Paul gives some examples of how to do this. Give some examples. We don't have time to go into them in a lot of detail, but let's have a look. Verse 13. He says, Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Carousing and drunkenness. 
wild parties, getting drunk. You need to know is the Bible never says Christians cannot drink alcohol. But the Bible does say, God does say that we shouldn't get drunk. And these sins, sin loves to thrive in the darkness. Loves to thrive in, in secret when no one notices. And can I say, I think in, in the lower North Shore, even in our church, this, this is a sin that I think we struggle with. We come home from a stressful day of work. We're tired. I get it. Before we know, we've drunk half a bottle of wine. We're called here to, to flee from the darkness, to put on the armor of light. Sexual immorality, debauchery, any, any sexual activity outside of God's, God's plan for marriage. It looks like fleeing from, from adultery, fleeing from lustful thoughts, fleeing from the epidemic of pornography. Perhaps for you to, to put on the armor of light is to install the accountability software on your computer to monitor what you look at, to just to do everything you can to flee from pornography or to have some people around you that are supporting you and praying for you. Sin loves to thrive in the darkness. Bring it into the light of Jesus' mercy and grace. Put on the armor of light. Dissension and jealousy, he says. Jealousy, it seems like Seems like pretty, pretty innocent, and yet here it's, it's described as a deed of darkness, <laughs> jealousy. It belongs to the darkness. Live in the light. Live in the light. And when you do these things, you're loving your neighbor. What we saw in point one, and it's continuing here, if we want to love our neighbor, one of the ways we do it is by doing these things, by, 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 by living in the light, by not living in drunkenness or sexual immorality or dissension or jealousy, but living in God's truth. Now, here's the great thing, though, 6 p.m. It's not like God says, well, come on. Stop living in the darkness. Live in the light. Try harder, do your best, work at it. Come on, what are you doing? He strengthens us. He empowers us. He enables us to do it. Verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you became a Christian, God gave you the robes of righteousness. Jesus washed you clean of your sins. He gave you his robes, his white robes of righteousness. You are forgiven. You are his child. And so we're called to clothe ourselves in Jesus, to cling to Jesus, the one who saved us, the one who is with us. And he's given us his spirit to empower us to live for him, to empower us to serve him, to love others, to live in the light. Cling to Jesus. Clothe yourselves in him. Unfortunately, often we don't put on the robes of righteousness. We put on the, drags, the rags of sin. Like someone playing out in the dirt and in the mud. They come in, they take off their muddy clothes, they have a shower, wash themselves clean and then put back on those muddy clothes again. It'd be crazy. 
We've been washed clean by Jesus' blood. We've been given robes of righteousness, clothed with Jesus. Why would we run back into the darkness, run back into the mud of sin? No, cling to Christ. He is with us, helping us by his spirit, empowering us. Our saviour, our king, our friend. So church, wake up. Wake up. Stop pressing the snooze button. Do you realize the time? Jesus is almost here. The night is nearly over. Take heart. The day is almost here. So get out and love. Stack up the debts on that love credit card. So put on the armor of light. Live in the light of God's ways. Our salvation is nearer now than it was when we first believed.